God saw us in our need, in our sin problem, a problem, mind you, that we brought upon ourselves out of our own free will. Satan can tempt you, but he can't make you do anything. You and I chose to sin and in different ways. Some more, some less, some bigger consequences, some smaller consequences. But at the end of the day, we have all sinned and have done it willfully. But despite all of that, God chose to love us. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about the forgiveness of sins. In today's society, even within our Christian environment, sin is not really seen for what it really is and does. Most people in today's world are trying to do away with the concept of sin and in different ways. Sin is not a popular topic at all. But the most common reason for trying to do away with the notion of sin is to try to create a setting where a person can do whatever they want without any consequences. People in general do not want to deal with sin and its repercussions. Today's message is inspired in the book of Psalms, chapter 32. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, blessing and honor and glory and praise be to you, O Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Blessed are you, O Lord God, for who you are and what you do. Thank you, O Lord, because you are truly good to us and in every kind of way. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. I give you thanks, O Lord, because I can trust in your mercy in your grace and in your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, for the forgiveness that I could find through him. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for your guidance. I pray, Heavenly Father, for your wisdom. I pray, O Lord, for your strength. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus that you may help us, O Lord, to understand your will, to understand what you have done and how much we should value what you have done, Lord God. Blessed be your name, O Lord, forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today's key passage reading can be found in the book of Psalms, chapter 32. This is the word of the Lord. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and brittle else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, 
all you upright in heart. Do we truly understand what God did through Jesus Christ? It appears that it is hard for many people to understand what the Lord did for us, and there may be many reasons for that. Some of the reasons may be that it is hard for people to understand what sin really does, or that it is hard to imagine what happens after this life. If there is truly a heaven and a hell, and if both places are in fact what the Bible describes. And of course, we are constantly bombarded by this world and to only think about the here and now and not to worry so much about what will happen after. The world is constantly beckoning to the present to live life the best you can and or however you want to right now. We live during a time when the things of God are challenged now more than ever before. And people have a difficult time understanding the things of the Lord because of everything that is out there, which creates a lack of desire to know what they are and how they relate to them. Probably the very first thing we should try to explain is the concept of sin. What is sin? I know that this is something that is ignored willfully by many. In general, people are trying to get rid of the concept of sin. And why is that? Because no one likes to be told that they are doing something wrong. And of course, that there are bad consequences to what they are doing. We live in an era where people not only want to do whatever they want, but they want to feel encouraged and supported by everyone that surrounds them. They don't want to feel alone in what they are doing. They want to feel acknowledged, respected, and even applauded for their decisions. And so this concept of sin and wrong and right is becoming an antiquated view because it is viewed as something that stifles supposed human progress and evolution, ultimately something that does not let people feel good and happy about the things they want to do or be. Therefore, many people are not big fans of God. God is a thing of the past. He is regarded as a myth, almost as an ancient superstition or a killjoy or a negative. And furthermore, many people feel that they don't need God and his word because they feel they're better off without him. This is the mindset that many people are developing. If I just ignore God and his word, and I rationalize somehow to myself that he doesn't exist and or is of any value, then I'll be free to do whatever I want, and of course, everything will be fine. Many people feel that reality can either be avoided, altered, and or manipulated if you just choose to believe strongly enough whatever you have determined to believe. It, it almost seems like many think that they can control whatever reality they want to believe if they just choose to believe that, that the universe revolves around them and their say-so. That's what motivates this urge to get as many people as possible on board with what they want to do. Many think that they can legislate God and his so-called rules and our commandments away, that the universe exists and yields to democracy. It's like saying, all right, God, we have had enough of you and your unwillingness to succumb to our demands. So we are banishing you. If you don't want to submit to our demands, then we're getting rid of you permanently. Many people are ultimately trying to cancel the Lord. There is a sentiment that God needs to become what people want him to become or else. And many think that this thing called sin is also either controllable and also a myth. The issue is that sin is a real problem. It is not a manufactured evil. It is not make-believe. And if it is ignored and treated as something that does not exist, then it will have its way with the person. The Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. Sin kills both physically and spiritually. 
That's why we die physically. That's why this world has all of the problems it has. Sin is the reason for all of the death and destruction that exists in the world today. That's why God cannot stand sin, because it undoes all of the good he has created. When God created the world and everything in it, the Bible says that God saw everything that he made, and indeed, it was very good. But when sin entered the picture, when man fell in sin, everything changed. Everything was corrupted. And yes, man may have gained the knowledge of knowing good and evil when they ate of the forbidden fruit. But at what cost? Was disobeying God and sinning against him worth it? I think we would have to say no. Sin is the reason for why we suffer and endure hardship. Sin is the reason why our physical bodies decay and die. But the worst thing, and if it is not dealt with, is that sin will destroy your soul, your eternal existence. You see, man was created in the image and likeness of God. And the main likeness we have with our Creator is that we have the ability to either live forever or die forever. But again, if sin has its way in a person's life, then they will die forever. That's why the Bible states the following realities. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the soul who sins shall die. This is the main consequence of sin, death, and more precisely, eternal death. We have all sinned and will die as the natural consequence of sin. That's just the way things are, and no one can just wish this away. You can't overcome sin with your thoughts or just by ignoring it. There is no magic pill to cure it. It's a part of everyone's existence. The Bible says that, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So we were made in sin. We were born with sin. That's why it is within our own nature to destroy ourselves in one way or another. Probably one of the hot topics of the day is what Russia's leadership is doing with Ukraine. I don't think many people like what is going on. It seems unfair and abusive. And that is a product of sin. Sin is what is causing that. Many people might say, well, of course you can call that sin, but what I do does not compare to that. And here is where a lot of people may get offended. The answer is yes, that it may be different, but whether a person chooses to kill hundreds if not thousands of people for the sake of dominance and ambition, or if a person chooses to lie to someone else, they are both sin before the Lord. If it's of any consolation, we're all in the same boat together. Just because the Lord is using me right now to say these things does not make me exempt from sinning. We are all sin, and we all will continue to sin until the day we die. So, what do we do then? Should we make like sin doesn't exist? So we trick ourselves in making ourselves feel okay and justified on our own? No. Again, we can't fix this problem ourselves, and ignoring it or making it like it doesn't exist won't make it go away. You can't sweep sin under the carpet, so to speak. So a person may ask, so if God is so good and he made everything good, then why did he allow for sin to exist? And the answer may scare you or displease you or surprise you. Are you ready? The answer is love. God has allowed for sin to exist out of love. You might say, well, how can this be? Love is choice, free will. And for there to be free will, the ability to choose must exist. And there must be something almost equal in existence that competes. 
There must be another option. God made man and he made us with the ability to rationalize and choose. He gave us free will. God made man for himself, but he did not intend for us to be like robots. He doesn't want for man to choose for him because they have to or because there is nothing else out there. So God allowed for sin to exist so there could be an option, something that is different and opposite to him, so that there could be a real choice, a real challenger, if you will. And it was allowed to be attractive, seductive, and yes, even enjoyable. Something like sin was allowed to exist so there could be something that would allow real decision-making. Now, we all want to be loved, right? I don't think that anyone would like for someone to be with them because there is no other viable choice. The best way I could explain it is through marriage, something else that God created. Man did not create marriage, and that's why we don't have the right to make it whatever we want to make it. Obviously, people can do whatever they want because we see that every day, but a marriage is not going to work the way it is intended to work if it is not utilized or done the way that it was designed. Nonetheless, a marriage is between two people, a man and a woman. And if you're either the man or the woman, you would want for someone to marry you because they love you and not because they want to use you for something or for some sort of gain or benefit or because there is no one else around, because there is no other option. How do you know if someone really loves you? When there are other viable options around the other person, but for some reason they choose to want to be with you and they choose to be faithful to you and they want to become one with you despite all of the other options and circumstances, for better or for worse, you are it for them. Isn't that nice when you find someone like that? It is very rare, but that is what true love is. God wants the same thing you and I want, for someone to want to be with him despite whatever circumstances may arise, despite the odds, despite the whole list of other options. That is why free will exists, and that is why sin exists. So we can choose out of our own free will, despite even our own sinful desires, to want to be with the Lord, because we value him, because we understand who he is and what he has done for us. And this brings us to our next point. God saw us in our need, in our sin problem, a problem, mind you, that we brought upon ourselves out of our own free will. Satan can tempt you, but he can't make you do anything. You and I chose to sin and in different ways, some more, some less, some bigger consequences, some smaller consequences. But at the end of the day, we have all sinned and have done it willfully. But despite all of that, God chose to love us. There is nothing that obligates him to do anything for us. God is God, and no one or nothing can make him do anything. He, if he does something, it is out of his own free will, his choice. So God chose to give us a Savior, Jesus Christ. For it is written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, why did he choose to do this? The blood of innocent animals, as we read in the Old Testament, could not take away sin. It could only cover sin temporarily. That's all that was within man's grasp before Jesus Christ. The only way we could have eternal life is through the blood of an eternal being, through the shedding of God's blood. Some of you might say, why does there have to be blood involved, something so gruesome? 
If God can do whatever he wants, couldn't he have made a different way? And the answer is no. God created everything with a defined structure. And as a creator he is, everything was made to work a certain way. And so the mechanics, if you will, to have our sins cleansed and washed away involved God shedding his own blood through the person of Jesus Christ so that through his virtue of being who he is, our sins could be washed away forever and we could receive eternal life. An eternal being with the virtue of eternal life had to give of himself to overcome the power of sin. That's how much God loved us. That's how much we meant to him. I don't quite understand it myself because who are we, who am I, that he should do such a thing for us? In the grand scheme of things, we're not that important. We're less than a speck in time in comparison to the entire universe. That's why I don't understand the arrogance that many people have, especially such an arrogance before the Lord. If it were up to me, I would have just done away with us and started all over again. But however, he is going to do just that in time. But after those of us that have chosen for him, those of us that have chosen to love him despite all of the odds and circumstances are with him forever. That's when he will do away with everything and start new. That's why it is so supremely important to repent and convert from all sins as the very first step in our decision for wanting to be with the Lord. Sin must be acknowledged and dealt with and that can only be done when there is a first and initial step in repenting and converting from all sin. That's why we cannot justify our sins and we certainly cannot make like they don't exist. If there is no restart or reset, if you will, with Jesus Christ, then there cannot be any salvation. God has to start over with us in our lives so that we can be changed, transformed, and regenerated into what we need to be so that we can become what he always intended for us to become. And of course, out of our own free will, we can't continue in the same old condition we were born in. Ultimately, when a person chooses to ignore sin, and are make like it is not there. They are succumbing to the very thing that Satan wants them to do. Satan wants for people to love him and sin more than God. But the problem with that is that sin and Satan are terrible masters because there is no life in them. Satan thinks he can challenge and overcome the Lord, but that is impossible. He even thinks that he can change the times, but that too is impossible. This is what the Bible explains about Satan. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Those are his intentions because that is in his nature. He is all evil. That is what he has in store for all of those who desire to follow him. We gain nothing through sin and through Satan. He can't even save himself. So how can he ever give you eternal life or any kind of life for that matter? The Bible teaches that there is an everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels and that those that follow evil will wind up in the same place. That's a terrible future. The truth is that there is God's kingdom and there is this other place that is everlasting fire, completely separated from God. The Bible describes the fruit of the Spirit as such. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is what God's kingdom is like. The Apostle John wrote the following in the book of Revelation about this place that God has prepared for those that love him, where it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. This will be a real place where everyone that chooses to love the Lord will live eternally. Now, imagine the opposite, because remember, Satan and sin are God's opposite, that which is in competition against the Lord. Imagine a place without love, joy, peace, kindness, and so on. You see, obviously nothing truly good can exist outside of the Lord. The place where the devil and his demons will be sent to, along with those that choose to follow the devil's ways, will be the complete opposite of God's kingdom. You cannot see either, at least not yet, but they exist, guaranteed. Just like you can't see sin per se, but you can see its effects each and every day, at every moment. And that's the main problem with sin. Just because a person doesn't see something incredibly destructive happen immediately after sin is committed, then they think it is okay. They think that sin is just an exaggeration or a myth or a legend or some sort of fabrication. But the worst part about sin is that it gets you at the very end when there is nothing else that can be done if it is not dealt with through Jesus Christ. And no matter how much God loves people, sin cannot be in front of his holy throne. And as such, if a person dies in their sin and then shows up to be judged before God Almighty, that person will be cast to that place no one really wants to go and nothing can be done at that point. But also, why would God force someone to be with him if they have chosen not to be with him? Sin is real. Its consequences are real. And it will kill you forever if you don't deal with it literally through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why God's forgiveness of sin is so great because nothing or no one else can ever deal with something only God has dealt with. That is what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about. It's the place where God showed his love for all mankind in the most practical and meaningful way that it could ever be shown. And if we are smart, we should embrace it and become one with the Lord so we can attain all of those things that are truly worthwhile, starting with the greatest and deepest thing, a new beginning with no end, immortality. For Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In today's key passage, we read about King David's feelings about sin, about how difficult it is to endure its consequences, but also about the wonderful relief and joy that is felt when mercy is found before the Lord. David related about his transgression being forgiven and that his sin was covered. 
David was happy with just having his sin covered. He dedicated his whole life and existence to the Lord because of the mercy he found through God. He understood the misery of sin and how terrible it was, and he realized the greatness of the way God treated him. Before Jesus' sacrifice, there was only the covering of sin, as we explained before. David was awesomely grateful for this covering. Now that we have Jesus Christ and what God did through him at the cross, our sins can be washed away, cleansed forever. Yes, we will still physically die someday, but when we find forgiveness through Jesus Christ by repenting and converting from all of our sins and making him the literal Lord of our lives, our soul, our inner being will live forever. We will be allowed to enter the kingdom of God by accepting and becoming one with Jesus Christ. And so, how much more should God's forgiveness mean to us? That's why people, after knowing Christ in the past, lived and died for the Lord because they truly understood what the Lord did for them and what they were receiving. They knew they were getting something truly great unmeritedly through God's grace. And they understood what they were being saved from. God's forgiveness is something immeasurable. But it won't mean a thing to you if you don't understand what sin is and what its actual consequences are, and if you choose not to believe that there is a heaven and a hell somewhere. I hope for your own sake, and if you are listening to this today, that you don't make the mistake of ignoring sin and to make like it is not important or non-existent, and that fulfilling your evil desires are more important than where you will spend eternity. The Bible says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? If a person chooses to supposedly save his earthly life by doing whatever they want to do, by choosing for sin and for the devil, they will lose their soul. And we are reminded here about what good is it to gain this entire temporary world if the reward is to lose your own soul. I hope for your sake that you choose to understand sin's true consequences and make a conscious decision to remedy your sin problem through Jesus Christ. By converting with all of your heart and living for the Lord, you may lose a few things here and now, but you will gain eternal life through Jesus Christ. You can change your destiny from hell to heaven and be allowed to enter God's kingdom through the Lord. There is no other way to the Father only Jesus is the way. Cling on to what he did on the cross for you and me so you can find true forgiveness of sin and immortality. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, blessed are you, O Lord, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you, O Lord, for the gift of salvation, for the hope of eternal life. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you offer us, out of the goodness of your heart, the forgiveness of sins. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to take sin seriously. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, not to take it lightly, not to make like it doesn't exist. Help us, Lord, to be sensitive to the promptings of your Holy Spirit, to be able to continue to change, to be able to be transformed through Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are listening, 
that if by any chance there is someone out there that has not yet committed their life to the Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you may please help them to understand, that you may bring conviction of sin through your Holy Spirit, and so that, Lord, they may be able to come to you and surrender their lives to you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you open their heart, their understanding, O Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for their lives. I give you thanks and I praise you and I worship you. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.